G'day and welcome to the Hunting Connection Podcast. My name is Zach Williams and I am your host. Here we'll connect you with hunters, fishers and outdoor enthusiasts from around the globe. This podcast will share hunting and fishing stories including past experiences and tackle the tough hunting stereotypes our community faces. We hope to be a positive influence to those outside the community while also having a laugh along the way. Hope you enjoy the podcast. G'day and welcome to another episode of the Hunting Connection. Today I have Luke Chamings. For anyone around the place in South Australia um, would recognise this name, especially in the reservoir fishing scene. Welcome, Luke. Yes, thank you. Thanks for having us, Zach. No, nah, not a problem. Uh, I couldn't think of a better fisho to have on the podcast as <laughs> oh, a first. You're, you're too kind. <laughs> so where are you from, man? Originally, um, I was born in Benalla, Victoria, on the um, Broken River. Ah, Mexican. <laughs> yes, yes. But we come over here when I was quite young, uh, two or three years old when we came over here. And, um, yeah, we've been here ever since. Um, lived in Gawler for the majority of my life, then out to Malala for 17-odd years, and then up to Williamstown for a decade or so, and that's how I fell in love with the reservoirs. And um, we're currently down the hill now at Cockatoo Valley. So, um, yeah. Uh, Williamstown, Cockatoo Valley, it's a very beautiful area. It is. And over winter when everything's nice and green, they're just... Very blessed to be where we are. And we, um, yeah, like I said, the reservoirs are so close. And, um, yeah, now that they're full of fish, it's just heaven on earth for me. Full of fish and open. That's that's why we're here. (laughs) Yes, Um, very much so. How old are you, man? Oh, personal question. 52 <laughs> last week, actually. So, And what do you do for work nowadays? Oh, I'm a lure maker nowadays. Um, yeah, so I was a wood machinist for a while and a carpenter and joiner with my own business for a long time, 25-odd um, years, maybe even 30-odd years, to be honest. But, um, yeah, nowadays I've uh, sort of put the feet up a bit and just make lures. and um, yeah. Some badass lures, some... If, if you guys like spinners for freshwater and saltwater and divers, here's your man. They've, I started using Chamo Lua spinners, shit, probably seven, eight, yeah, eight years ago. Yeah, it would be when we first met, Zach. I reckon we went out together one time and, um, yeah, showed you how to get a few big reddies. Um. Yes, yes, you definitely did hit that. <laughs> You're like, watch me catch a 40. There's one that lives in this hole and first cast out, bam. <laughs> Uh, they were they were easier to fish back then. They were a little bit more prolific and um, in a few different areas. But um, a lot of them places have either dried up or, or for whatever reasons, the redfin have um, eased up in numbers in the creeks and that a bit nowadays. But um, still yeah. plenty to be caught in the Warren Reservoir. I got onto a heap the other day. And um, oh, I think they're still in the South Power Reservoir. But once again, they've eased up a little bit. But um, yeah, inland whiting, they're a fantastic table fish. They truly are and very underrated fish. One of my favourite eating freshwater species. Um, I actually Kentucky fry them. I buy a Kentucky fried seasoning from uh, Woolies and then coat them in that and just shallow oil fry them and yep. no, make some you, sandwiches. If you can um, fillet them up and um, pop your fillets in some salted iced um, slurry, a salty iced slurry, leave them for a couple of hours and uh, usually brings out any impurities on them, not that they have many, and um, also sets the meat nice and firm and white and, um, yeah, crumb them up and they are, like I said, inland whiting. I can uh, I can 
tell you over and over again, they're just a fantastic eating fish. They really are. Yeah, no, they, they definitely are. I chuck them in a Ziploc bag and um, put some milk and herbs and spices in with them and do them that yeah. way. Yeah, uh, there's some, plenty of recipes out there for them, but um, yeah. So tell us about your lure company, man. Oh, company's probably a strong word, but no, we're still going. We've been probably 10 years or more now. Um, I got sick of losing lures um, once I discovered the reservoirs and um, I just thought, oh, I don't know, I've got to join a shop and lots of little bits of wood lying around on the floor. So I started to shape up a few and the first few were a bit rough and ready and I couldn't quite get them to swim and the bib angles and et cetera, et cetera. But once I mastered it, um, yeah, I've never looked back and um, I've been absolutely blessed. I've gone, well, not quite around Australia with them, but I've been up to Queensland to the Lure Expo and... Um, in quite a few shops in Victoria and New South Wales. I think I'm in four shops in South Australia at the moment. Um, yeah, it just goes from strength to strength. The more I make, the more I sell. Um, I, you know, it, it's hard to make the transition from handmade timber product to mass production. Um, I don't think I'll ever bother doing that, to be honest. Yeah. I'm quite happy with my niche market and I'm quite happy with my, um, like yourself, my... Uh, customers that have been loyal over you know many years now and um yeah i just popped down to christie's beach shop the other day um let's go fishing and uh, christie's beach and um yeah dropped a heap down there so i was very very fortunate to be asked down there into their shop great little shop and um yeah i'm in gaula um Fishing and outdoors, uh, yeah. Cockatoo Valley General Store. Yeah, I think Cockatoo Valley is where I first first got some from, and then Gawler. Yeah, I've grabbed some from yeah. when they when uh, they're on the wooden. Yes, yeah, that's what I do. I make a wooden stand for them all. It seems to seems to help sell them. Yeah, um, yeah. We're also up at Cadell General Store up in the Riverland as well. So um, but uh, yeah, no, it's great. It's a great hobby. It's a great job. It's um, you know, I'm never going to be a rich man doing it, but um, it's a passion. It is a passion. So how many types of lures do you actually make? Oh, look, I make everything from hand-tied flies right up to 300-plus millimetre long cod lures, um, barrow lures, everything in between. You know, there is, geez, I couldn't tell you how many different models there are. There'd be... It'd have to be 20 or, or more different there's versions. All, there's always something new coming out. Yeah, you've got I, your, your body grub and you've yeah, got... Yeah, I do tend to um, sit up at night thinking about what's the next big thing going to be or what can I do that's a little bit different. And especially with the reservoirs at the moment with these stocked fish and that, they're getting fished quite hard, some of the reservoirs. So it's yeah. nice to think outside of the square and um, see if we can find something that's going to attract their attention and... Um, you know, the, hook them up. The attention to detail on them. Are, are oh, yes. I think insane. that's um, a very important part of it. A lot of people say, you know, lures catch fishermen. But, you know, when the fish get right up its bum and they're right on the precipice of closing their mouth on it and they do get an actual visual on it, um, you want it to look as natural as you can or um, or as attractive as you can. So, um I think uh, the more natural-looking lures do tend to work better. Um, but, yeah, you know, whatever paint's left over in the pot at the time is generally yeah. what base colour they're going to turn <laughs> out. So, yeah. so how did you get into fishing? 
Well, as I said, I was born in Benalla, which is on the Broken River, which is um, one of the best cod fisheries in Australia. Um, they say they are the single toughest cod in Australia and they're also um, the best ones they use for um, brood fish in the hatcheries. But, um, yeah, we grew oh, – well, I didn't grow up over there, but my father and grandfather used to take me fishing on the Broken River a fair bit, um, you know, cod – Yellers, as they call them over there, um, grunter brim, which is silver perch over here. Um, yeah, blackfish, river blackfish, trout. Um, yeah, so um, just grew up going over there on the school holidays, two weeks at a time, a couple of times a year, and um, just probably spend every single day at the river fishing with Grandpa. He fished every single morning of his life pretty much. And um, and knew what he was doing. He was a bait fisherman, but um, yeah, he was a great fisherman and just had the immense patience and and deadly quiet too. He he knew you know what river fishing was all about. God help you if you made any noise or <laughs> thumped around on the bank or anything next to him, he'd probably nearly kill you. <laughs> but um, and then when we came over to South Australia, my father um, got fairly heavily involved with net fishing um, back when you could do that and you had licenses for the Coorong and whatnot so um everyone in the family had a net license and we'd go to the Coorong for a week at a time and we'd fish off a long point which is just out of Meningi and um we'd head over to the surf and fish for Mulloway in the surf but we'd um net fish in the Coorong which is you know probably frowned upon nowadays but back in the early 80s and um that it was you know there was lots of families down there with the net catching Coorong mullet and a few flounder and a and bits and pieces so we done a lot of fishing in the Coorong and then we started heading out to Port Prime and Parham and Middle Beach and all them areas and then hitting the creeks and yeah so it's always been in our family and it's always been in my blood and yeah I think it will probably be forever to be honest Zach. No that's that's my, good. My daughter's um, quite keen fisho too nowadays young Reese. she um, quite often shows me up and quite often shows <laughs> a few people up too that come along with us and she doesn't mind telling them either. So. That's what you want that's what you want I hope my boys will be showing me up in no time it won't be hard but <laughs> uh, I think females are very good fishers. Oh 100%. They are they're just something about the delicate touch or Whatever it is that transfers through the line to the fish, but they, you know, more often than not, they they fish quite well and they catch quite good fish. So, um, my wife's the same. She's as arsy as she just plonks herself down, pots the rod in, and before you know it, she's you know she's catching them hand over fist, and she, you know, why do you make it sound so hard? And <laughs> yeah, my my nana was much the same. Like I remember being a kid and getting stroppy that she was catching all the fish constantly. Would all be sitting there, and yeah. I'd be you know. Five, six, seven year, years old, and I'd be like, "All right, you're catching all the fish on that rod. There must be something different with that rod. Give me that rod, and I'll <laughs> nah, tra trade rods." And that, there's, nah, there's it's definitely just... something in it. That's for sure. <laughs> so, break down the reservoirs in South Australia that are open. Okay. Well, I don't um, break down. Well, I could just tell you what's been going on in the last couple of years. Beetaloo. Bundalia, Aruna, South Para, Warren Reservoir, 
and very recently Happy Valley have all been opened up to the public. Have all been stocked since 2016 with various um, species. Since um, 2019, uh, Aruna, we'll start with Aruna because it starts with capital A, um, at 20,000 golden perch and 10,000 Murray cod put into it in February 2019. Um, and they have, well, we haven't seen any cod yet, but I can tell you from first-hand experience that um, we've been up there and done a data searching mission um i think that was a year ago and um i remember seeing photos yeah we caught quite a few golden perch and we were catching them from the banks we were catching them in the yaks they were coming up to the yaks inquisitively yeah wow um got photographic evidence of them circling on the surface we had um anecdotal evidence of them you know showing traits of breeding or thinking about it at least um, we don't have any proof of that, but they're certainly um, behaving different than river fish do. That's awesome. And um, once we've looked, I've looked into that a bit, and um, yeah, the the fish of the Lake Eyre Basin do um, behave a lot differently than um, fish of the Murray Darling system. So I think they're even a subspecies or slightly different um, in their genetic makeup, but they certainly behave differently. A lot of this is my own opinion and conjecture, of course. But, um, yeah, so we were up there. We found goldens here, there and everywhere. And we actually, as I said, we had them swimming up to the boat inquisitively just swimming up to the kayak and um, it's a beautiful looking reservoir it's a marvelous gorge i think it's the uh, jewel in the crown of all the reservoirs personally i think it's um comparable to anything in the mcdonald ranges in um the northern territory alice springs area um absolutely pristine wilderness the wildlife you would love it the wildlife up there was phenomenal the bird life was phenomenal there was quite a few ferals up there goats etc <laughs> etc et but um the water clarity was oh, the gin clear waters um just yeah just a fantastic fishery and we're very 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 proud of how well um the fish have taken up there and um and to have been part of the initial stocking um, campaign up there was fantastic and the growth rates are just phenomenal um, we're heading up there next weekend awesome to um, do another lot of data how just many want, of you guys are heading up there i think it's about six of us um, yep. alex has organized it through wreckfish and um, we're heading up there to do data collection effort versus fish etc etc so um, hopefully this will be an ongoing thing and hopefully we will um continue it on with the other reservoirs and have a nice baseline to compare yeah. back to. Yeah, you don't see too many people fishing it. Like, it's... Because well, it's so... Well, it's six hours away. Yeah, yeah. So. But, um, yeah, I've heard good stories. People yeah, passing look, through, that, they're saying I they're seeing fish surfacing and... Yeah, the serious fisher will um, definitely make his way up there. Uh, it's very much worth the effort. If you're into four-wheel driving, bird watching maybe a bit of shooting, maybe a bit of hunting, fishing, camping. You, you could not find a better place in it, South Australia. It, it is, is a beautiful area. Sensational. The Flinders Ranges are yeah, exactly. some of my, my favourite part of South Australia. Yeah. It's a... So Definitely sounds like it's going to be a fishing destination. Oh, it, you know, you've got to get up there. I've told so many people in the last six months, you, if you're going to do anything, get your ass up there and have a go at Aruna because it is just one in a million places. It yeah. really is. 
So January this uh, January last year, 2021, the Murray River got 90-odd thousand cod released. We were um, very blessed to be part of that release event. Um, I've I seen that. Where What what area was that? Uh, Swan Reach down to Blanchetown, I yep. reckon. I could be wrong because there was quite a few release spots because the government um, was involved in it yep. as well, so there was a bit of media and all of that that goes <laughs> along with that. And just, yeah, don't get me started on that. Um, then in March, the South Power, same year, 2021, we had 10,000 cod, 25,000 silver perch and 40,000 golden perch. I was lucky enough to be involved with that release. Um, That's wicked. They were a fantastic um, product. The fish were just impeccable. They were so, I was so impressed with the product that we got from um, Murray Cod Fisheries. Um, Bundalier had 6,000 golden perch, 2,500 silver perch. Another great little fishery. It's not aesthetically as beautiful as the others, but fishes every bit as good as anywhere else. It is fantastic. The reservoir I've actually fished the most so far, so I'll, I'll do, take the two and a half hour trip. I'll get up, you yep. know, three o'clock in the morning, head up there yep. to be up there when the gates open and yeah, it's just beautiful. Very much worth the effort. And um, once again, the growth rates in Bundalera are, are through the roof. So um, we were very, very happy with there. They had some um, some on-grown silver perch, I think 1,500-odd. So we took up. They were the ones we grew at yep. Herbray. And then we moved them over to Gillies Plains to finish them off. We took them up in a tank that I built in... Um, oh, I can't remember, 2018, 19, something like that. Don't hold me to that. But, um, yeah, we didn't have one mortality, and these fish were quite a large fish that we released. I'm not big on on-grown releases, but um, this one worked. And, um, yeah, so we've got some fantastic silver perch fishing up there. They are a great fish to fish from the banks with some bait and um, fight like bilio. They do. Um, they go hard. Um, I caught a couple of nice ones up there, and also seeing on the Bundalia fishing page, there's yeah. been lots of um, last year's stock. Yeah. coming up now lots yeah. of small ones coming. yeah you're starting to get your yearlings and then your your sort of 150 to 200 mil category but there's also some quite big ones up there as well and um and some very nice golden perch we also done a, a stocking event through tafe again yep. through herbray and gillies plains and they were the single best golden perch i've ever seen um Released, they yeah. were so golden in color. The couple that um, I've caught up there, and one of my mates caught up there, just beautiful colors. Yeah, Some so of the best it, looking ones I've seen in South yeah. Australia. They so had that real New South Wales look. Testament to, um, you know, uh, good fingerlings and good production um, equates to good fish, it really does. Um, Beetaloo moving along down the road a little bit. They had, um, once again in 2021, they had 4,000 golden perch and 2,500 silvers put in again. Peterloo's a bit of a sticky one because the opening hours are a little odd. Um, yep. It's very much gentleman hours, um, 9 till 3 or something. Yeah, wow. Um, no kayak access as yet. But I must say I haven't actually been up there to check it out since we've done it. 
But I reckon if you walk the banks up there, it'd be no different than fishing the South Power at the moment, yeah. which um, is producing fish from the banks continuously. Um, I think Beetaloo would be much the same. Very similar water, crystal clear, rocky substrate, um, lots of shadows on the water, lots of vegetation. Um, yeah, just a very, very nice place. But, yeah, um, seen some nice photos from Beetaloo. Um, where is Beetaloo? That's over near... Uh, that's so closer to Lincoln. One's closer to Spalding, and the other one's. Um, oh, you've put me on the spot here. <laughs> it's not far from Bundaberg. Yeah, that yeah, way. yeah. I'll, I'll have to look that up. Yeah, uh, I'm just trying to think. It just came to me. It's near Port Augusta. Yeah, it closer is. to it's Port Augusta in, than inland from Piri, Port Augusta. Sort yeah, of that area there, but um. Yeah, that's one Laura? I've been. Yeah, yeah. I reckon it's closer to Laura than Spalding. It's one I've been thinking about checking out, but uh, that nine nine a.m. open that's uh, that's that's rough. I like to be there first yeah, it light. Is, it is an odd um, arrangement up there, but um, you know, whatever, make of it what you can. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, um, some more work that's been done in the Warren as of late um, in February. 2021 we had some limestone reefs put in and some what we call cod lodges which were a couple of huge terracotta pots that were donated to us by um uh, bennett's pottery of mcgill and um yeah so he was um kindly enough to give us these two huge pots so we concreted a couple of big bricks to them and um, done all the dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's and got the <laughs> permits and everything. And, um, yeah, so we popped them in. And then um, a few months later, we were lucky enough to um, get hold of a heap of limestone rocks. So we bought a couple of pallet loads of them and then we had to clean them, disinfect them, <laughs> da 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 da, da. And um, we were lucky enough to get them put in as well, which was quite a big project. Um, we had a massive boat out there, um, Dr. Michael Serp's boat, the uh, bio, what's his business called? Oh, it's gone now, but anyway. <laughs> no, good. He, um, yeah, he was uh, kind enough to um, donate his time and um, his boat and aquatic biosecurity, that's it. And, um, yeah, so a uh, big crane and everything and lifting the rocks on and then taking them out and lifting them in by a crane and everything. There so, were some good photos of it. Yeah, it on, was. On it was the Warren very, page. Very good um, project to be part of and um, we're hoping to do another one soon. Um, we're just waiting on results of a um, grant application, which is sounding very promising, and um, we're hoping to do some rock and uh, timber cool snags more traditional snags so do you know of any fish caught off of them yet um not i couldn't say categorically yes but i'm pretty sure the cod lodges the terracotta pots produced a few fish in the um first couple of months they were in i caught a couple of callop 
off of where they were and That's I was great. watching some people from the bank who, unbeknownst to them, they were casting right out on top of them. So you haven't uh, given out the locations? Or... No, no. <laughs> Got to give them some chance to pull fish. And, um, yeah, they were catching quite a few callop off this one spot and I was sort of looking at them thinking, yeah, I reckon I know where you're, where you're landing in the water. is pretty close to where they are. So, uh, look, we'll be doing some data on that as well. We'll probably do some soundings. That's See if we can find some fish on them. Um, the limestone reefs are spread through the reservoir in, in different locations as well. Um, you know, it's hard to tell. I would imagine fish have moved. They don't take very long, long to move no. in. When there's not much to choose from, they don't take very long to move into new homes. Um, we find that the rocks do hold fish, but um, natural snags hold a hell of yeah. a lot more fish. So the next lot of... Um, habitat enhancement we do will be um more natural using, yeah using timber as well so we've gone over the habitat stuff and we've gone over this stocking of the fingerlings um in your opinion what would be the best way to manage the stocks in the reservoir keep stocking them keep stocking them quite simply once a year every year for four or five years let's just keep doing keep um that way you get a nice uh, class year every year. Yeah. You know, one year, two year, three year, four year, five year 100% old fish. 100% makes sense. Um, I think that is the easiest way. I have looked long and hard into um, slot limits, et cetera, et cetera, and they do have merit, don't get me wrong, but um, slot limits are generally for fish that are breeding. Yeah. So the smaller size slot limit, say 500 mil, um gives the fish a chance to at least breed once before they get yep. caught. That's the theory on it. I think slot limits when they're not breeding is probably going to put pressure on the bigger fish. Yeah, just being it, caught over and over yeah, again. Yeah, they'll, yep. they'll just get um, hammered. But it does have merit. Um, it would be a way to pull up the people that are, you know, taking bigger fish yep. constantly. Um, it would stop that. So, yeah, look, it, it's something that needs to be considered. But um, I think the easiest and simplest way is just keep stocking, keep the stocking yeah. events um, regular. 100%. And um, see the money that we pay to fish them go back into. Yes, exactly right. So um, these permits, you know, they should be buying new stock for next year and, um, you know, roughly the same time every year, yeah. releasing similar sized fish um, and just keep that up, uh, you know, and general, you know, good practice, fish handling practices, etc., etc. Always help as well. Um, you know, we could say, look, let's just make it a catch and release. Yeah. But then that does cut out a lot of people who do go to catch a fish for a exactly. feed. So, you know, it, it, there's a lot of gives and there's a lot of throws for that. Um, it's just a matter of keep the stocking up, I think. I think that is the purely, simply the easiest way to yeah. do it. Less conjecture. Everyone loves a stocking event. It's a high priority. It's a high-profile event when it happens. Everyone Good wants media to be coverage. involved. Good. Yeah, yeah. All, the everyone, love a, photo. a lot of winners out of it. You know, you can get the school kiddies up there involved. You can get the public involved, community groups involved. And, of course, government, SA Water, etc., yeah. etc., et all want a piece of the pie as well. <laughs> Deservedly so. They do the majority of the, um, you know, the 
the funds and that the majority of it comes from yeah. them so um you know everyone would be happy if we could just continue the stocking on a regular basis yeah there's been a few good facilities go up around some of the reservoirs um, kayak launch points yeah the kayak launch points are um a great initiative they're a fantastic idea especially for someone like me who tends to fall out of his <laughs> fairly regularly um much to everyone's enjoyment but um yeah i i love them they're great um they're a great thing and they're not bad to fish off of too but um yeah if you you know if you see people coming with their kayaks and you're on the launch facility it might be an idea to really line in hop out the way let them yeah. launch and then continue fishing this is becoming a little bit of an issue down at happy valley yeah down oh. there the other day and i was just watching people catching cod off there and they weren't moving for anyone and um yeah so i had to sort of slip in amongst them and then yeah. slip in and through the lines that are in the water and then because they're growling at you because you might you know think, well you're not supposed to you know, technically yeah you probably shouldn't <laughs> you probably should move for me but as great as happy valley it was it was a definitely a rough opening of any of the reservoirs that's that's oh, for sure with yeah, look, fish I, handling and yeah not enough what, signage and yeah they're probably wasn't their greatest moment in time um using an iconic species like cod to um get a few votes is probably a bit rough they could have done it with silver perch or trout as it was yeah. um, flagged to be originally um but you know what's done is done now and these fish have not moved anywhere they're still all hanging yeah. around the release point i've seen six get caught the other day in 90 minutes um i traveled 50 meters from the launch site and i was on yeah, they're catching them on everything, lure, yeah, eggs, so, chicken, a um, you know, bit look, of everything. It's just one of them things, I'm afraid, and um, I've had a bit to say about it. Yeah. But, um, you know, I felt a bit hypocritical going there the other day, but I did drop some lures off to one of the shops <laughs> down that way. So I thought, oh, well, if I can get a photo of one of the lures in the shop with a cod, <laughs> that would be a good promo. So, no, it was, um, it's, it's a cool spot. Um it's rough with wind. If you get a bad wind day out there, it's um, tough getting back to the launch, that's for sure. Yeah, um, uh, they do get a sea breeze there pretty much every afternoon. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just be a little wary of it. South Power is a little bit the same. Um, make sure you check your weather before you go, especially if you're in your little... Um, you know, little kayak like yeah. mine. Um, yeah, you you just be a little careful. I've I've been caught out there at South Para once already this year, and I had to walk the um, kayak back through the shallows, dragging it with a piece <laughs> of rope. It was just too rough to to get anywhere. I was doing I think point three of a kilometre an hour, and I was three kilometres from home. So. Yeah, South Para is actually pretty big. I was um, very surprised when I went out there from fishing Bundalir and then. Happy Valley and then go into South Para. Yeah. Like South Para and Warren are both pretty much on my doorstep, but yeah. I've choose I've chosen to fish the yeah. ones furthest away from my house, you know, with well, um as I say quite <laughs> often you leave fish to find fish more yeah. often than not. You really do. <laughs> and um I break my own golden rule with that all the time. I'll I'll see something up on the horizon and oh that looks good and I'll paddle all the way over there and catch nothing and then get one on the way back two hundred yeah. yards from the car park and yeah, you leave fish to find fish continually. Yeah. And it's just a, a very bad habit of fishermen, but um, you know, there's always grass is always greener. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But it yeah, South Power was generally really like much bigger than i thought it was going to be and yeah it is it's a very it's pristine um reservoir it's got some and, cool um, little gullies oh, and it, it is it's fantastic that island that's out in the back there yeah. that is just 
beautiful to get in amongst yeah, the big that, boulders. That there. little gully there. Yeah, it is lovely. And it fishes fantastic again at the moment, as is the Warren, incidentally. Both of them are fishing brilliantly last month. Yeah, I've, I've been meaning to get to the Warren. I keep saying, I'm going to go fish the Warren. I'm going to go fish the Warren. I'm like, oh, Happy Valley's open. I'm going to go get a cod because everyone else is catching one. No, we got we got cod too. These, these yeah, ones but you have are, to work for them. Yeah, see, these ones are man cod, is what I'm saying. I, I, man need, I needed some of these easy children cod to yeah, go yeah. catch. No. <laughs> so what's your top beginner tip for someone getting into fishing that maybe hasn't grown up with um, fishing in their life? Well, uh, pick a technique, whether you're going to be a bait fisherman or a lure fisherman, I would say. Trying to go between the two can be a little um, daunting at times. Yeah. But um, persist, 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 persist. Work on your patience and um, casting as well. Practice casting in the backyard without a hook just to sinker on. Um, Casting, if you're going to be a lure fisherman, casting is very important to be able to cast well, cast off and cast accurately um especially if you buy a bait caster first or something like well, that well i would strongly suggest against that i get would just a get a traditional egg beater and just go out there and practice casting in the backyard yep. and once you can lob it within you know five meters of anywhere anytime you're pretty much right because um you know quite often it's about placement with lures um you can drag them around till you're blue in the face but if you're not getting them in the right spot you don't want to be the, that person casting into the trees or casting no, over everyone no, else at the jetty, yeah, you know? The, no, well, you, you won't do that often. <laughs> but, um, yeah, casting into the trees, I, I watch that all the time. People tend to uh, cast over their shoulder instead of sort of level with their shoulder, as I'm trying to demonstrate here. Yeah, I'm, I'm guilty. I, I reckon I cast over my shoulder, but people tend to release too early. They yeah, release yeah, when they're yeah. still... <laughs> well, you, you've only here. got to go and look at the power lines and the warren, and I look <laughs> up there and I think, oh, geez, that's 10 metres or plus, in, and there's lures up there. Yeah. Think, How the hell does that happen? <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's all about just technique. And um, and patience and persistence, and, yeah. and that's probably the only advice I could really give. If there's water there, there's a chance, you know, in South Australia, there's more than a good chance there's carp or redfin in there. Um, you know, put a worm on, cast it in, or pop a spinner on, or or a diving lure, and um, just keep what going. What species would you suggest for someone to go target? Oh, redfin generally. Car- redfin, yeah. yeah, yeah. They're um good eating. They get reward for yeah. your effort. Um, they're very keen to take most lures, um, and they're very keen to take most baits, to be yeah. brutally honest. Um, I've seen them caught on corn, cheese, worms, party grubs, uh, bugs. Yeah, I've caught them on pretty much everything. Yeah. I reckon even Potato some chips. lolly worms and yeah, all sorts of yeah. stuff. Well, a guy brought fake corn with him one day, and yeah. I laughed at him. <laughs> I said, what is that? Just little balls of yellow snot in a bag. And he said, no, nah, no, nah, it's fake corn. And it had its own little fake juice and everything, that little plastic corn That kernel. makes no sense. A can of corn's $2. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he first cast, he had a redfin. Uh, you know, he, never say never. With the fish. redfin gods paid right. you out with that one, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, I normally recommend carp just because they're so, they're so easy to catch yeah. and they're so just... Distributed well, around we, the state. We got a trout hole down the back of the old man's place, and um, 
it's got a lot of big carp in there, and you say they're easy to catch, and some days we were catching them on spinners. Reese yeah. caught, caught one on a spinner the other week, and it dragged her all over the joint and ended up snapping her off. She got it in, but she couldn't get it out, yeah. actually out of the water. But um, And then we went back about two days later, and we could not get them to take anything yet the trout yeah. were keen to grab everything yeah that's so, that's probably lures i'm i'm talking about uh, we bait. Were, if you nah, we were fishing yeah. for bait with the carp but they just weren't interested this day so yeah, wow. once again there you know it's probably the best way to sum it up there are no rules yeah um and never say never and just persist and keep keep changing it up a bit and um you know it will happen one day yeah, I found that backwaters in the Murray are some of the best spots to take people out um, when they're new to fishing and just burly up, burly up. Yeah. Chuck some corn on a Paternoska yeah. rig and That's you're bound exactly to get right. something no matter what size it is. But Yep. Yeah. Ah, for sure. So what would your top five items be for a beginner fisherman? Just someone getting into it, wanting to dabble in it, going down to BCF or... Sp- well, I look... You could do it one of two ways. You can go and buy the best of the best of everything yeah, and be brokenhearted and a bit poorer. <laughs> or you can just go and get yourself a $30 combo, a few sinkers, some hooks, a tub of worms, maybe a spinner or two. Yeah. Um, I find I don't use clips myself, but for beginners, clips are a great idea. So you're not having to learn to tie all the knots yeah. and everything. And um, just generally... You know, so a, a, a nice little $30 outfit. Just a Jarvis um, Walker special. Yeah, just something special. like that. Straight into Kmart, Big W, whatever. Or BCF, wherever. I mean, your, your sports, um, your fishing shops probably don't sell the cheaper gear. Yeah. They probably aim a little higher. But that's something for, you know, a little further down the track. Just what um, you can afford to, yeah, you know. Go, the more you pay, the yeah, little bit better when, quality, less stuff you, to go wrong. Well, I only very recently, I'm famous for buying all my fishing gear from garage sales. Yeah. And that's dead set honest. I, $5 rod, I find a reel. That's, oh, that's not a bad brand <laughs> reel. $2 for that, $5 for the rod, $7. And some of these rods and reels I've got, I've had for 20 years. Yeah. Because they're, you know, they're a bit old and they're a bit clunky and whatever. But when you've got you know half a dozen kids come out with you or whatever, and I just here's one for you, here's one yeah. for you. So they drop it overboard. It's no big deal. Yeah, exactly. Don't skin off anyone's nose. So I'd suggest that you know you go and buy yourself a little outfit, maybe a couple of spinners, a couple of divers, um, a tub of worms, some this, that, the other. Um, a landing net, perhaps. Yeah. Um, that they're definitely very helpful. Yeah. Um, and um, just yeah, and um, a good hat, hundred percent. A good hat, and maybe a decent set of, well, they're not even a decent set of pliers, but just a set of pliers that can pull the hooks out of the mouth of fish. As you know, um, they can be quite hard to get out they sometimes. And if you're trying to do it with your hands and fingers, well, you obviously, you know, you're going to wear it one day. So as a beginner, you know, maybe a, a, a decent set of pliers to remove some hooks yeah. with, landing net, cheap little outfit. A ver- you know, a few various um, different lures and maybe a couple of different types of bait, um, you know. Decent Speaking of lures and that, do you prefer barb hooks or barbless for, well, like, especially returning fish? And- um, I... 
do a bit of base. Look, I, I'm not going to lie. Most of the lures are barbed still, yep. but I do swap the middle treble for a single. Yeah. I find that one, probably over 50% of all the fish I catch on my lures are caught on that middle single. Yeah. Bit easier to release. When they do hook up, they ain't coming off either. Um, and they tend to jump over snags a little easier too. Um, they tend to swim a bit better, and um, yeah. So I've started doing. I started doing that a long, long time ago. Um, putting singles on the middle, uh-huh. on the middle hook, yeah, on the belly hook. But um, the other day I made a big fly up for some um, cod that I've got stocked in a private area, and um, I squashed the barb down on these massive flies, and. Um, but yeah, first fish I caught, he slipped it. So, <laughs> so you give a little to that. You would have been yeah. swearing on that. Oh, no, look, you know what? I've got to the stage now where I love the fish more than I love yeah. the fishing. So if you hook one and he gets off, didn't mean you didn't catch him. Yeah. Just mean he got off. <laughs> the lure worked. Yeah. So from my perspective, the lure worked. He did get off. But the lure works, so that's fine. Suppose you would get a different perspective on the fish having put the time in you yeah, have exactly with the breeding right, programs um, and the stocking yeah, programs. Yeah, you do. You tend to look at them a bit differently. So you know, I crap on on Facebook and say you know the fishing gods have left, <laughs> have left me, and I had a dry spell there. But then you know, you, you know that if you keep going sooner or later, that's going to change. And <laughs> so I had probably about two months there where I barely caught a fish, and I was beginning to doubt yourself. And da 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 da. da. Then I don't know, I caught about fifty reddies the other week, and then got yourself a nice little cod and. Before you know it, you're back in the game again. So um, exactly, yeah, you know, don't get too hung up on um, losing fish or not catching fish, especially losing fish off of lures or get them getting off. You you done everything right. Yeah. You were just a little unlucky, and it will happen again. What about when fish swallow the hook a bit too far? If you're bait fishing and like I know I notice with uh, small callop and small silvers, they tend to engulf yeah. everything. Yeah, so. Deep hooking is an issue. Um, I haven't fished with bait for 10 years. Yeah. So I don't really have that issue myself. That's the best thing about lures is they tend to catch them in the front of their mouth. Yeah. Occasionally you'll get like, what ram feeders, as I was talking to you before, ram feeders like golden perch and um, trout and a few others that actually just rush it will occasionally take it down a bit deeper than normal cod can too but um generally if you deep hook a fish you know cut the line yeah that's that's cut the line because the amount of fish we see um over in lake mawala where they've the hook is hanging out their bottom yeah where they've passed it through their system and um amazingly it seems to come out yeah so, um, yeah, just cut that line and get them back in the water as quick as you can. Yeah, I, I, a couple of times I've dicked around a bit too much trying and you're like, yeah. uh, you're, you're fighting a losing battle where Look, if you just snip the line, they seem to swim off all right. There is some techniques overseas with the big lake trout and that where they deep hook them in their gill rakers and they're bleeding quite profusely where they get the old, that's a can of Coke there, they get the Coca-Cola and they pour it down their throats. Yeah. And uh, apparently that seals seals up the um, any hemorrhaging and that straight yeah, wow. away. Now, I have seen that a few times 
it's been done in America. I haven't seen it over here, but um, yeah, just through my uh, interactions with the the fish nerds and podcasts over there, I have seen that done quite a few times where they've the trout is bleeding profusely, and they open his mouth up, pour a heap of coke down there, and let him go, and he stopped bleeding straight those away. lake trout are incredible way eh? oh, especially massive. when they're ice fishing them like i've been yeah. watching lots of ice fishing stuff yeah. lately um one, list stuff that yeah yeah one of my um mates through instagram poldy he's uh, got a podcast as well he's been doing lots of ice fishing lately and just watching like they've got their little shacks and yeah. their shanties and they drill the have hole in the seen, ice and sleep have you seen them. the um grumpy old men the movie grumpy old yeah men? yeah yeah that's where I fell in love with it. So <laughs> I talked to Clay Groves and Dave Kellum and a few others over there, and they are, they're ice fishing right as we speak um, this time of year. Yeah, they And are. Um, they invite me over constantly, but you know, <laughs> it's not just down the road. I, I know exactly what that's like. It's, um, yeah, just a little bit of a little bit of a journey you know yeah but ice fishing would be a bucket list thing that's definitely for sure yeah sitting in the shanty with the little heater yeah. and you're having a cook up and fishing through the little hole and some the of the shanties are basic but some of them are flasher than some house yeah 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 no, well, <laughs> got some TVs people in there watching and, super bowl yeah. the other week while they were fishing and they had all sorts they of got stuff ovens and yeah. barbecues yeah. and Wood wood stove heaters on the ice. I don't know. Sh- I'm not sure how that would go too well. But yeah, I think they, I think it's got to get to over a hundred mil the ice before yeah. they'll go out onto it. But even then, um, I remember Clay um, was it Clay or one of the others had um, one of them went in. And, um, oh, no. Yeah, it gets pretty serious pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. They were I was talking on one of the podcasts I listened to, Meat Eater. Uh, I think it was Meat Eater about driving through the ice and how much it costs to recover a vehicle. Yeah, yeah. and it's like forty thousand dollars plus to recover a vehicle. Yeah, from no, the bottom it's, of the lake. It's, a, it's a big thing when it goes wrong. So um, yeah, make sure the ice is nice and thick. Yeah, mm. yeah. What have you forgotten on a fishing trip? My rod. <laughs> And that hasn't been once or twice either. It's happened a couple of times where I've just... Uh, so you've got the impromptu, oh, the winds, you know, when you get that dead still yeah. just before sundown and it's dead still and you can feel it in the air and the your sinuses all get blocked <laughs> up and you know you've got to get there now and I jump in the van and I rush down there and I jump out and, yeah, the rod's leaning up against the rubbish bin. <laughs> Drive all but luckily it's only ten minutes, so I had to drive back, grab the rod, go back again. But I done that with um, a group of people not so long ago. I made a big song and dance about <laughs> taking them fishing and da 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 da, and um, they brought photographer and everything, and we got there and um, yeah, no rod, <laughs> oh, no, quite embarrassed. But I'm used to embarrassing myself. <laughs> I set myself up for failure pretty regularly. Speaking of embarrassment, what's your funniest fishing story? Yeah, we struggled with this one today a bit. We've got a couple of R-rated ones that <laughs> probably won't work that well on radio. But um, when I was very young, I was out fishing with my pop and my father on Lake Macown, which is now dry, yep. in uh, just out of Manila. And um, pop's predominantly deaf. And uh, he's put a heap of worms on a hook. And I was sitting up the front of the boat and he sort of went back to cast and the hook has gone straight up my nose with oh all no. the worms and everything. Oh no. And, uh, of course, I've grabbed the line and uh, he's 
pulling on it like crazy and he's yelling at me oh come on mate yeah, I'm snagged I'm, I'm, I'm snagged on something back there can you unhook me and because he can't hear me and I'm screaming my head oh, I'm like no. oh my god pop it's up my nose sort of thing and, and he, all he kept saying was I'm snagged on something back there mate can you unsnag me and it, yeah it was my nose oh, so no. um, yeah that, would, that wasn't much fun and um, dad had a hell of a laugh at that of course me falling out of my yak reasonably regularly has been um a lot of crowd, a lot of mirth for a lot of people. I get reminded yeah, of I, it. Yeah, I get a good laugh on Facebook on the Warren group. Yeah, you know? they don't mind giving it to me on that group. But <laughs> I, like I said, I've got thick skin and, um, you know, bring it on. <laughs> bring it on. But, uh, yeah, look, oh, we've, you know, we, um, Captain Spiro and I, we were floating along one day, dead silent, trolling along, and we come across this couple who were rather intimate with each other <laughs> on a table right on the bank and... Uh, Oh, we went dawdling past in dead silence and we didn't know where to look. And of course, <laughs> she's lying on her back. She's staring straight at us. And I thought, are you going to say anything or are you just going to... And he's like drilling polite, for oil. So he just was, a polite wave. Yeah. Oh, we did. We sort of just sort of put our hand up and then eventually she said something to him. But I mean, she waited quite a while and gave us a little bit of a flutter with the eyebrows and that. And, we were laughing to ourselves, and then uh. we seen two two bare asses running through the bushes. I <laughs> went running off, embarrassed. So that was yeah. But yeah, it's amazing what you see up the river when you're trolling in the dead quiet. I bet. You, I you bet. come across some pretty, you know, there's a lot more nudists up the river than you give them credit for. Put it that way. <laughs> what about the most dangerous thing to happen on a fishing trip? Oh, yeah, I've got a few of them. <laughs> All right, so Dundee Beach um, in Darwin. I decided that uh, crocodiles don't generally hang around beaches. <laughs> Little naive. So I've wandered out up to about my waist, probably 11 o'clock midnight. Oh, um, no. And, yeah, and uh, hooked a really big bull shark. <laughs> so I'm me... The bull shark, it's on for young and old in the shallows. I got him by the tail. He's turning round trying to bite me constantly, but I, he wouldn't snap the line, so I just kept holding him at rod's length but hanging on to his tail as well and walking him through the shallows. And uh, he eventually, um, I got him in and dragged him up to shore and these blokes came down and they gave me an absolute mouthful i bet and they said what are you doing you blinking moron you're down south you wouldn't know what ah, you know you're just jealous look <laughs> look what i've caught and da, 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 da. <laughs> the next day i shit you not the next day i walked out to the same spot and the biggest crocodile i've ever seen in my life was about 20 meters out and he was just sitting there <laughs> and i was out with him not he's probably like i was watching you last yeah, night yeah mate. and uh, they are creatures of habit and i yeah i learned a very very valuable lesson as a young bloke about the northern territory we actually set up swags on the beach that night and um i think it was about 10 meter tide or something and um yeah we got washed out to just about yeah, washed wow. out to sea. Had to get up and drag the swags <laughs> up onto the rocks. And I didn't yeah. pack a waterbed. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, yeah, so uh, like, needless to say, I, I was um, a bit of a laughing stock on the beach I that bet. day. Yeah, the locals <laughs> were just. It got. It went around Dundee Beach that quickly too, and um, yeah, yeah. 
a lot of people pointing and saying that's the cockhead there. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> so yeah. What's the most important thing you take out when you're out fishing, apart from your rod? Lure retriever. Yeah. Any type in particular? Yes, Captain Spiro's snag them back. They're uh, designed by a guy up in um, Broome. He said from Alice Springs down, we can make them, sell them, and yep. he'll he'll have from Alice Springs up. Awesome. So um, we've never really persevered with it because simply they work too well, and the fishing shops everyone we've ever taken them to and we made hundreds of them like yeah. we collected lead and they got the big steel ring on them and everything and they're nothing they're nothing like any other retriever you see and um and they work and uh we oh, i think for four or five seasons in a row i think we may have lost two or three lures yeah wow out of the and we troll 130 hours a season yeah. and um the fishing shops said well why would we want them yeah, exactly. Said, you can't. He said, "If you, we sell them once, they don't lose any lures. They're not going to exactly." So, excuse me. No other fishing shop has ever considered taking them. Yeah, wow. They've just said no. We've <laughs> seen them. We've seen how they work, and um, yeah, we're not interested. Why would we want them? Yeah, that's... basically. But um, yeah, a lure, a lure retriever. Um, oh, that's a good one. Yeah, they're just you know because it can get really expensive really quick. It can. Thirty-five to fifty bucks to throw every time you lose one. Yeah, um, yeah you get pretty down in the mouth by the end of the day. When yeah, I, I get upset when I lose lures. I've, yeah. I've done some pretty extreme stuff to try and to try, get them back. Try sitting up all night making one, <laughs> finishing it off, and then taking out, traveling fifty yards and losing it. It is gut wrenching. Yeah, I bet. I it bet it's gut wrenching. But nah, I strongly suggest get yourself a good quality lure retriever. Um, I'm so, not gonna, so I'm, one that just slides on hooks on the line and yeah, slides down slides with lead down. weight. Yeah, yeah, something yeah. similar like that. I'm not going to rubbish the other brands or whatever, but um. You know, we just don't get the lures off with them. We just don't. Yeah. These ones, if you can get right over the top of the lure, we even managed to work out how to get them to go around a log and then back down again. Yeah, wow. We're just, you know, just through just the right manipulating spin. it yeah. and, um, you know, a bit of pressure here and a bit of loose line there. And you seem work it out, but um, they're a fantastic product. They really You've seen are. the guys that use the tip of their rods to yeah, yeah. get it? I'm just like, oh, no. I'm just thinking about the eyes, like, smashing yeah. on a rock as they're going down and... Well, there's another another little issue. I, whenever anyone comes cod fishing with me, I said, don't bring the best of the best. Yeah. Just don't, because cod fishing is one of them types of fishing where you do break things, you do get in the trees, you do forget your rods out, you do get snagged going a little fast sometimes. Um, Lose a, boat or, a rod off the back of the boat. As all, <laughs> and it all happens cod fishing. It's just one of them types of um, fishing techniques where, you know, it's very, very easy to lose a rod. So don't bring the very best of your best, yeah. you know. Just, like I said, mid, middle of the range stuff is more than adequate. It's more about your line strength, yeah. your knots. You know, Learn to tie good knots. Don't use clips. <laughs> don't you i'm clips. guilty 130 pound <laughs> and i got a witness to this we were trolling um at lock nine me and the captain and i got hit and 
It was the most phenomenal hit we've ever witnessed. It was all over in quarter of a second. My rod was bent in half and then back in the rod, back in the boat. And we're looking at each other, looking at the rod. And then we looked out and the lure popped up out in the middle of the river. So we dawdled off over there. We got the lure back. Yeah, the hooks were dead straight. Um, and now a big single, dead straight like yeah. a piece of wire. The back treble was actually squashed, crushed. Wow. And the clip that I had on my rod still was a 130-pound clip. It was just a dead straight piece of wire. That's insane. And, and in, in half a quarter of a second that happened. Yeah, I, just, I couldn't imagine it. Like, it was just, and we just sat in the boat staring at each other. As you would. And just going, how big was that? <laughs> and we've never used the clip since. Yeah, they, they get pretty big, the cod. Um, there's yeah. that old photo. I think I've spoken about it before of the, the big cod hit by a paddle steamer back in the yeah, day. Yeah, there's a bit of conjecture if that's a Queensland groper or an actual cod, but yeah. they say the photo's from a chuka. I've just finished reading um, a book called The Cod Father by Stuart Rowland, and um, that photo's in there, and yeah. even even him, he yeah, well. said it's very hard to determine if this, what that fish actually is. Is it the Queensland groper? Is it a Murray cod? Yeah, I first seen it in uh, Sporting Shooters in yeah. probably it's early two thousand. Pretty famous photo. Yeah, but um, you know, there's reports of one point. Well, I mean, Dubsy got one one point five meters not so many years ago. Um, we've got them, you know, one point three, one point two, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's amazing to think that they they could be fish that big just cruising through yeah. the Murray, especially they, in South they, Australia. Well, that's the predominantly where the big ones are. Yeah. And um, which brings us on to another topic, um, this insane decision to uh, change the cod season. Um, is Very controversial. Uh, well, it just makes no sense no. at all. None at all. The whole idea of stop trolling when they're breeding is, one, they're very aggressive. The males sitting on the eggs is very aggressive at that time of year, protecting the eggs. And uh, if you hook him up trolling, say you're trolling at, three kilometres an hour, Yeah, you hook him, takes a few minutes to get him to the boat, well, you know, that's another half a kilometre away yeah. from the nest. Then by the time you dick around with him, take a photo, get your tats out, go to the shore, <laughs> da-da-da-da-da-da-da, yeah, another couple of k's away, then you release him. By the time he gets back to his eggs, exactly, you know, they could be predated. Do you, do you think predated. that the hardcore... Because not many people are out there trolling for cod. Not you, just your everyday fishermen. It's mainly just your hardcore. I think trolling's very popular in the Murray nowadays. Yeah. Um, people say casting is. They keep telling me casting's the way you do that. I yeah. get more da 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 da. But I do the cod classic every year up till COVID with Captain Spiro Ian Spirit, and we've done it for the best part of ten years. And they have the breakdown. Of the cod classic every year, and we're talking three, yeah. four thousand fishermen. Trolling is the number one. Way. Yeah, but uh, what what I mean is more during the off season when they're on their eggs. When it oh, was yeah, a closed no. season, do you think the hardcore cod fishing guys will go no, and take no, advantage? No, no. They, so, do um, you think it's going to be so, too much of an issue? Uh, yeah, I think it will be an issue. Um, now that they know they can do it and yeah. get away with it. Yeah, I'll be more than happy to um, go out there. I don't think um, <laughs> the cod lovers will be a little more um, 
forgiving. Yeah. But just people, you know, general just want to catch a card. Yeah, They're exactly. Going, oh, well, that's the easiest time. The insane thing about it is, is that you're still allowed to cast. Yeah. And and if you think about it, you pull up at a nest and you cast. Well, that's going to be more effective. Than more than likely, more yeah. More than than randomly just ambling past with your troll. So it as a little bit goes both ways there, but um, you know, just just keep in mind that they are an iconic, um, endangered, legendary, beautiful, fish. beautiful, magnificent sports fish in the top ten sports fish of the world. Yeah, the amount um, of Americans I, I chat to, and the only thing they know about Australian fishing is the Murray yeah, cod. Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably even more famous than Barramundi. Yeah. I know Barramundi um, fight a lot better. But there's no strike like a cod strike, you know, like a and they're not plus. as I, I don't think barramundi are as pretty as a cod either. No, they're a very no. very pretty fish. And you've got your cultural um, issues as well. Yeah. I mean, the indigenous population have looked at these things as you know all but a god, um, and um, you know they should be treated accordingly. And this thing, we get back to the Happy Valley release and 100%. everything. It's just it's not the fish you do yeah. that with. It just isn't. Yeah. it didn't sit right. It didn't look right. It didn't. But I can't talk. I went down there. I caught a caught a couple of cod to yeah. get them off my list. <laughs> so, what are your top five dream fish? If you could, if you had unlimited money and you mm. could go anywhere in the world, golden dorado, beautiful fish, South American fish. Yeah. Um, Rod Harrison's Black New Guinea bass. Cool. I haven't seen them. I'll have to the check that out. Hardest fighting fish. Wicked. Um, any of the sailfish or billfish, yeah. um, you probably put one or two of them on the list. Um, probably a big, you know, like a big 30 or 40 pounder lake of trout or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I hate to keep looking overseas. I, I sort of look back over here, <laughs> but I've caught most things over here. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, them golden dorados, they, they're they, a cool looking they fish. They go hard like a big sort of cross between a mulloway and a. Oh, what's the other American fish they got over there? They call them. I got the big spot on them, bloody. Oh, the um, the oh, you've stumped me on that one now too. They're right down through Florida, yeah. Texas. Yes, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I got. I talk oh, about actually, them all the time you know what, mates. bloody peacock, peacock, peacock bass. bass they'd they're, be pretty cool as well. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, all of them would be great for sure. Yeah, I'm really fascinated with alligator gar. Like okay, they're, yeah, they're yeah. Just a wicked looking fish, and just they, um, they just fish with them and them big pencil floats. Don't yeah, they? yeah. I'm, I'm more into bow fishing them, but yeah. <laughs> so the big question for the podcast: Are you for or against a Victorian model of fishing license for South Australia? I think that's a no-brainer, Zach. Honestly, <laughs> we need if you want to spend money, you got to make money. If they want things to improve, it costs money. Um, governments in South Australia don't recognise fishing anywhere near as much as the eastern states do. They Definitely need to. Um, but, you know, if you want things to happen, if you want stocking to happen constantly, if you want the ramps to be good, if you want... And I don't know if you, oh, I pay ramp fees, I do this, I do that. Well, nothing comes for free. Exactly. There's no such thing as a free dinner. I understand where they're coming. Oh, I've been fishing for free forever. <laughs> Will things change? Exactly. The and fact that you target whiting and snapper 
your whole life, you know, and then you expect all of a sudden us to fix the problem. Exactly. And we've got no money to do it with. We've got very little support. Um, we need a licence and we need it to be obviously managed by a non-government organisation, an NGO, and I know I'm wearing my Wreckfish hat here, but Wreckfish would be the obvious choice to manage 100%. the funds. Um, we are a, a community-based organisation and um, totally transparent. You know, you've only got to get onto their website to look at the AGM, look at the figures. It's all there for the public to um, peruse, for public consumption. A licence managed by someone similar would be an obvious choice. But, you know, if they... If South Australia doesn't want one, they don't want one. Yeah, I don't necessarily believe that's the case. It's been 51 49%, 51% for, 49% against yeah. for as long as I've been involved in this game, and that doesn't change. It seems more and more people are wanting a fishing licence, especially after seeing like the way Victoria yeah. managed their... Yeah. They're stocking, they manage their boat ramps, they manage so their access. What happened over there? And look, if you can get Victorians to accept anything authoritarian, and we've yeah. seen that with COVID. Exactly. How, how they jacked up about that. Well, they were exactly the same with the fishing licence. They were absolutely, you know, the, the old convict stock sort of mentality, authority. They're scared of it. They're um, in, intimidated by it, whatever you want to say. But if you can get them to agree to a licence. Exactly. You can get anyone to agree to a licence. And now that they've seen the benefits... So what happened was there was a, an electorate that held quite a few people, and I think it was the Labor government at the time, worked out that if they could win that electorate over, they were going to get into power. Yeah. So this is where they decided to pour a heap of money into this electric, and it was a fishing electorate. And um, it's got them into power, and now they are just counting the, you know, they are counting the dollars exactly. And you look at the million dollar fish and the, the whole thing in the Northern Territory and all of that as well. It all comes about from fees, funds, and um, people putting money back into um, the fishing industry, whether it be via a license or whether it be other mechanisms. Either way, we got to put something back to take it out. You it cannot just keep saying, taking. I'm not paying for this, I'm not paying for that, and then going out and go, oh, the ramp's buggered this week, or, you know, well, there's not many fish about, or, geez, the resis are a bit, how you going? Like, you, it takes money. My biggest laugh is when someone brings their issue up on what, like it's any of the fishing Facebook groups in South Australia, should we have fishing licences? And you always get a dozen people going... Oh, I only fish for carp once a year. Why should I pay for a license? And it's like, if you have it a Victorian model, you could pay for a, th a day license, a three day license. Exactly. You right. know, it's. Uh, there is no argument. And like, there I, is, yeah. always, I only catch carp. Well, if you pay for a license, there's more stocking to go into the waterways. Yeah. And like you said, you can just get a three day, seven day, ten day. You know, exactly. they have, uh, we go over there and get the seven day one quite often. Yeah. You know? And I think it's $13 or something ridiculous. It's such a paltry yeah, amount. exactly. But what um, I'd love to see if we had a fishing licence is like places like Mawson Lake stocked the, you know, 
yeah. the, in the city stocked um, in the torrens there. Like, yeah. how, how good would that be to open up for I think, fish? I think we need to educate... Now, I'm probably going to alienate 90% of South Australia here, <laughs> but we need to educate suburban fishers. 100%. Because the suburban fishers, when they're, they're just... They're not quite as clued up on natives and that, and they, you know, they sort of look at it as a mullet, you know. Exactly. And, and it's not the case. They're, you know, they're a little bit more finicky. They're a little bit more sought after. They've got a bit more prestige about it. So, um, yeah, so a little bit of an um, education campaign, once well, again, with, paid for by licenses. With money, you can put signs up. You exactly. can, as well as stock these, pub, like these, you know. Yeah. city areas, you know, how good would it be to just go down to the torrents well, and catch at, silver perch like they do in Lake Victoria? Albert in Victoria and they're catching them big callop out of there pretty exactly. continuously. And um, and they also, you know, school holidays, They um, and this is where on-grown fish do have a part to play. Um, you know, school holidays over there, they quite happily go and put a um, catchable-sized trout in yeah. I see tiny little every lakes year. in these little towns and that, and it just gives the kids something to do during the school holidays, and that is a great initiative and something that we should look at constantly. It's a great but family day out. Um, it is. I, I'm friends with lots of Victorians, and yeah, every year when they do that, I'm seeing the big photos. You got the golden trout in there. You got yeah. all sorts of stuff, rainbows. No, but um, yeah, look, you know, let's get a license in South Australia. Hundred percent. And I think they should just bring it in and cop it sweet. Yeah. Uh, no. No more public consultation about it. We've consulted until we're blue in the face about it. Just bring it in. I 100% agree with you. So we've heard you're a pretty passionate person when it comes to fishing. What is fishing to you? That's a good question. Fishing to me was an avenue of um, fun, recreation back in the day. When I started making lures, it became... A lot more, uh, a lot more involved. I would, I would get not only the the thrill of catching the fish, but the thrill that I caught it on a lure I made, and then I got to sell that lure and got a dollar back for it. So it became a lot more involved, a lot more um, closer to the heart. But um, as I've got older and um, with a few uh, issues later in life, I found it as the best way to disconnect from whatever is going on in your life if there is nothing more um, liberating from the demons than having a cast catching a fish getting him in the whole that you just disappear from everything and you are just so into that moment at that time and then you take it back home with you and you're all smiles and you brag and then you get to put it on Facebook (laughs) and you get to have a bit of a toss about yourself and how good you are and and it's just, it it is a um, character building exercise as well says a lot about yourself Um, yeah, fishing is a, uh, it's more than a sport as they say in footy um, it's a lifestyle, um, 100%. and uh, yeah, but um, you know, if you really, really want to get into fishing, start making lures and catching fish with your own lures because it just puts a completely another perspective on it. Yeah, I've got a few few friends that have been um, starting to make their own own lures, um, especially guys on on Instagram, and another guy that's just started his own fishing podcast, um, Two Dads Fishing, uh, James Flack. He he's got his um, 
skirts and stuff he makes. Oh, yeah. uh, pretty cool looking. Yeah, looking should stuff I be worried? Or? Nah, <laughs> nah, nah. He's, he's chasing the tuna. He's, yeah, he, nah, he's making stuff for the barrels. <laughs> good on. That's something I haven't caught yet, to be honest. A tuna. Yeah. It? I have been a little unlucky in that respect. Need a, we need to find someone to get you out there. It's, yeah, uh, it's yeah. pretty cool. My um, wife, when we first got together, she got a fishing charter for her and I, um, like two spots on a fishing charter, and we went out and both caught caught a tuna each. She um, caught the biggest fish on the biggest two fish on the boat. She caught the biggest snapper and the biggest the biggest tuna, and all the other guys were were pretty um, livid. They weren't yeah. they weren't happy with her, but I oh, look, I like, was stoked. Like I said, ladies, they there's something about the way they fish, the way that they hold the line, or whatever it exactly. is, exactly, with their delicate hands or whatever it is. But they seem to they seem to land a lot of fish. I I see my wife walk out on the <laughs> beach one day. We had one live mullet, and I reckon we had one live Tommy in the in our little um, aerator bucket. And I put the mullet on, and I went out and I cast it out, and I gave her the rod, and I turned my back on her, and I was just about to put the Tommy on. Next, time I hear this buzz, 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 and I see her wandering off down to the beach, and I said, "Oh, you know, bloody hell, what are you doing? You got weed on it? You couldn't." But- <laughs> Yeah, meet a meet a Mulloway. Oh no, she's literally in the water a minute. He that, that, pulled it in by herself, walked back up, sat down on the thing, lit up a smoke, looked at me and said, "God, you make a big deal out of nothing, <laughs> don't you?" And I said, "Do you got any idea what you've just done?" <laughs> yeah, my my wife, her first so this was in about six months. Her first fish was a carp. Second fish was an eight pound snapper. And then she got a fourteen kilo tuna. Yeah, oh, wow! <laughs> like for a second and third fish ever, yeah, you know, yeah. people people would be spewing. Yeah, how would you like to be remembered? I I really like this um, question when I seen it. Um, I'd like to have left a legacy for freshwater fishing in South Australia. So when I go, I want people to say, oh, the Warren Ritz, oh, you know, Luke Chemmings, he did this, he did that, da-da-da-da. Um, I've named a few places, um, you know, after people of significance that were important in the reservoir developments and that. Uh-huh. I haven't quite put the signs up yet. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't been given permission to do that yet, but it will happen. Um <laughs> But um, yeah, I, I just uh, I just like to be known as someone who really, really put his heart and soul into um, getting freshwater fishing in South Australia, the reservoirs, um, lure making, and um, yeah, just just that. Yeah, oh, that's that, connected that's great. with the reservoirs for an indefinite. I was just period. fishing South Australia. I think freshwater fishing and lures, and yeah, immediately yeah. think of you when it comes to. Oh, Especially thanks. redfin and yeah. and cod, like I joked around when you posted that um, cod godfather on. I yeah. I joked around. I'm like, well, if he's the if he's the godfather, you must be the daddy because yeah. the amount of time you uh, put no, into. Look, to be honest, I'm just one of many. There's a lot of people that are a lot more quiet than <laughs> I am, and um, they do a hell of a lot behind the scenes as well. And um, good luck to them. You know, it's the more the better. You it's know, great, but need... we need a face. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> Uh, it'd be just nice to be remembered for the, you know, getting the reservoirs 
up and going, or not up and going, yeah, that with other people that done that. But yeah, being part of the stocking and um, and naming some of these areas, yeah. Williams Point, Fire Warden Bay, Chiravalo's Run, Simpson's Knob, all of them. I <laughs> I named all of them places myself, and uh, I hope in time that these names stick. I know one. We need has, like a Chamo's Landing or well, something like that. I got Chamo's Rock there, but no, <laughs> you know, I'll blow these other blokes two tawns for them. Maybe we'll get a kayak launching spot for you and name it after you. <laughs> kayak retrieval. <Yeah. laughs> Bloody things. So if people want to get in touch and find your lures, where can they find you? Quite easily. Just go on to Chamo's Lures Facebook yeah. site. I don't have a website. Um, I found that to be a pain in my ass, to be honest. So just go on to the Facebook, comment, message me privately. Um, I could pass on phone numbers, whatever. Um, I make cust- you know, I custom build them. Um, I've I don't have a lot in stock generally. I generally, as you order, I make. Um, uh-huh. I, you know, it's just the way I am. I'm trying to keep the shops full and um, and having stock on hand. Plus, it's too tempting to use them all the time. <laughs> You've got half a dozen brand new lures there, and oh, I'll just use this one today, and then we'll, you know, I hit a rock and pick a dent in it, and now there's thirty bucks down the drain. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but yeah, you know, just get in contact with me via, you know, um, via Chamo's Lures page on um, Facebook, or even through Ozfish. Um, I'm the president of the Barossa chapter, so if you want to get in awesome. contact or get involved with Ozfish in any way, um, get in contact with me via that. Um, They're medium. a good, good little organisation too. I remember when they first started um, getting the do- donation stuff at BCF, where you, yeah. because I used to work at BCF. That's right. You do want to donate donate something to yeah. Ozfish Unlimited? And well, we're we're lucky enough that BCF match. So we'll go there and do a barbie and the snags and stuff and we'll, say, make $200. Well, they'll match it. Yeah. No, so they'll they've, match us dollar for dollar, which we're very thankful it's for. It's good that they um, put back like that. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a good system for sure. But, um, no, we've got a few chapters in South Australia now and um, the Seeds for Snapper thing was a great success with Dr. Mark Serp. We've got um, Danny Simpson's on board with the Barossa chapter, so he... He helps out a lot. We've got riparian vegetation, revegetation project going on in Gawla, South Power River in Gawla, um, the re-snagging and um, habitat enhancement at the Warren coming up. That's great. Clean Up Australia Day this Sunday, um, and you know it goes on and on. So if you want to get involved, get in contact with me um, via Ozfish or via Chamo's Lures, and um, yeah, we'll sign you up. Too easy, Chamo. Thank you very much for coming on, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. And like I said at the at the start, I couldn't think think of anyone better to get on first for chatting about South Australian fishing. So no worries. Thanks heaps for having me, Zach. I really appreciate the opportunity. And uh, like I said, I'm I'm one of many people out there doing a hell of a lot. There's a lot of people out there having a crack. And um, you know, if you want to make a difference, get it. As I say. My catchphrase, you know, just get into it. Exactly. Go put your money where your mouth is and help out fishing in your area no matter where you're from. Yep. Easy, Luke. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Please find us out on our social medias, Instagram at Hunting Connection Podcast, Facebook at Hunting Connection Podcast, and Twitter at Hunting Connect. Please subscribe on whatever podcast app you are listening on. Rate five stars as this will help the podcast grow and review. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.